This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. After experiencing trauma, I went to therapy and my therapist guided me through a difficult time in my life. They helped me understand what was happening and provided me with tools to cope and find my own strength and resilience. Their experience and compassion were invaluable and enabled me to rebuild my life and move forward. I strongly believe in the power of therapy to help people through difficult times. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who is trained to listen and give you helpful, unbiased advice. First, you go to their site. You can use my link, betterhelp.com resilience. You answer a few questions and BetterHelp will match you to a professional who has years of experience helping people with struggles just like yours. Let BetterHelp connect you to a therapist who can support you, all from the comfort of your own home. Visit betterhelp.com slash resilience or choose podcast, then notes on resilience during sign up and enjoy a special discount on your first month. The fact that I think many of us have not been taught coping mechanisms, I mean, true, legit, healthy coping mechanisms. You know, let's look at the culture. Kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. Don't speak unless spoken to. And then we get to, you know, the after that, it's more of, I'm not asking your opinion. And now everybody is a winner and we don't want to let anybody fail. Well, you know, we have to kind of find the middle ground. Hello, and welcome to Notes on Resilience. I'm your host, Manya Chilinski. My guest today is Sapna Shah Hawk. She is an internal medicine physician, and she is the host of the Worthy Physician podcast. And she thinks and talks a lot about burnout and shedding light on what we know is not an isolated situation. We had a lovely conversation about what burnout is, how we deal with our mental health, what is lacking in our system and in our organizational cultures, and the power there is in being able to ask for help. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. And if you like Notes on Resilience, please find us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave a review. Or if you'd like to share with me what you like and what you don't like, there's a link in the show notes to a Google form. I'd love to get your feedback, what's working, what's not working, what you wish I was talking about, or maybe if you have an idea for a guest. Thanks so much. Sapna, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Well, before we learn a little bit about you and we get started, I would love to know if you could have any superpower, what would that be? Oh, flying. I think that would just be really awesome to be able to fly. Oh, it would be awesome. There'd be all the leg room that you want. Exactly. That and why not? You can get to places and not have to worry about waiting on other people's schedule, right? Yes. Yes. I love it. That is definitely on the top of my list of, of superpowers that I wish that I could have. So thank you for sharing that. And now I'd love for you to share with our listeners you know, a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I am, by day, I'm a physician. I'm an internal medicine doc. And uh, on my free time, outside of being a parent, I I write, I, I uh, podcast, and I um, I like to goof off a lot. So. I consider myself a complete person. 
Sounds like you are. It sounds like you are. You've got a lot of things on your plate. What is your podcast about? My podcast is about physician burnout. Mm -hmm. And that was inspired by my own two journeys through burnout in 2016 and 2019. And also the major, the major driver was the fact that I lost my best friend who was also a physician Mm -hmm. to suicide. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thanks. That sounds like you've gone through some difficult times and you are using that to help other physicians who are going through struggles as well. Correct. I mean, you know, it wasn't until after Dr. Becker's suicide that I started learning about the burnout rate and the suicide rate among physicians. And it's not just isolated here in the U.S. I mean, the the, the numbers that we have are pre-pandemic and about 400 physicians take their lives each year. Wow. Here in the United States. And but the phenomenon is also seen in the UK, Canada and other other countries. Wow, I didn't realize the direness of the situation. What are some of the things that that lead to burnout for physicians? Oh, that's um that's a loaded question. You know, we're we're working in a system, I think it's for most healthcare workers. We're working in a system that puts uh, the dollar before human health. And so you have a crux of morals or the amorality of the capitalistic system mm-hmm. and the morality usually of physicians. For the most part, we try to put our put our patients before everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, there are needs, right, within within reason. But also there's the uh there's a productivity culture within medicine which you have to put your patients first always and to the point of self-sacrifice. And when like as physicians, there have been barriers to seeking help for mm-hmm. mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, all of that are big drivers. Yes. And you mentioned the barriers and that, the barriers to seeking help for mental health issues. And that's something we hear from other people in helping professions, dispatchers, first responders. It's so interesting to me that there are these jobs, these roles, these people who commit their lives to taking care of others. And yet there's this barrier to getting mental health support for themselves. Why do you think that is? That's a good question. I It doesn't make sense. Um, I think that there's a concern that if you have mental illness, you're not going to be able to take care of patients or to make clinical decisions. Mm-hmm. But let's also look at the vastness of mental health issues mm-hmm. or diagnoses. Anxiety, PTSD, depression, some of the most common are mental health diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to go through um, a first line or a first responder position or career, a medical career without encountering that because we see a lot in a very short amount of time that the mind was not built to handle, right? Mm-hmm. And so what do you have? What do you do with that? I mean, even in the olden days, the the, the medicine men, the, the shaman, they had a way to prepare for what they were going to do, and also dispense of the of the negative energy, and then also replenish. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can see where you do not want an inebriated first responder or physician or nurse, but at the same time, we also have to honor our humanity and say, "Hey, I need help." So. There's a movement to get those questions changed on the licensing and credentialing. Mm -hmm. I think we're up to 17 states that have either done away with them or rewarded them to 
not be so all inclusive and it's more does this impair your ability to practice medicine? Mm-hmm. Wow. So in the context of that, what do you think about the word resilience? I think it's a word that I have been familiar with for several years, way before my journey through burnout. Wait, and I mean, it's just part of life. It's part of the way I was raised. Okay. How do you define resilience? The ability to bounce back in the in the face of adversity. Okay. Now, we all as individuals have a level of resiliency, and it's important to nurture that. But what do you think about the role of our systems, our institutions, in helping people recover and deal with their mental health and build on their own resilience? There's a lot lacking. There's a lot lacking. I mean, let's look at what is the typical wait time to be able to see a psychiatrist, to see a therapist. Silver lining. Under the pandemic, we have things or platforms like betterhelp.com, talkspace.com, mm-hmm. which helps to bridge that gap. And yes, I understand it can be a little expensive because I, I don't know if you can use it at, you know, in through insurance. Uh, you can definitely pay out of pocket for it. But you know, the thing is is that they're gonna match you with somebody fairly quickly. So right. I think I think that was definitely a good move, but we've got to we've got to be able to have ample and equal access to mental health. Mm-hmm. Yes, the equal ap- access to mental health services is a bugbear of my own as well. <laughs> yeah. And what do you think about the role of an employer or the organization that you're part of in being supportive of someone's mental health? So, if we're talking physicians, we're talking how can the hospital or the or the medical practice be more supportive? Definitely, it's a must because not all not not all employers are right. It has to be part of the culture. If it's not, I would say start looking for an area where the culture is supportive because we know that the toxic workplace it's going to drive you into the ground mm-hmm. and that's going to start seeping into every aspect of your life. Yes, we, we try to compartmentalize, but the truth is, you can only compartmentalize until that compartment is just bursting open because it's not being addressed. Mm -hmm. So if you go and you say, I need help, and they have an EAP or an employee assistance program, but if if there's, um, depending on the size of company, but if you're starting to get uh, an underlying tone of having to use that, and and that's if they're trying to signal to you that you're weak because of that, that's a bunch of bullocks and Mm -hmm. really start looking to move on. The employers, the places of employment, academic institutions, it's okay to ask for help or not superhuman. And the the fact that somebody is asking for help, that signals a lot because they've done a lot of inner work to realize that what they're doing is not working or they're not getting to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of power and vulnerability when asking for help. Yeah. You know, I this is not the same thing, but I worked at a company where it was, they talked a good game about taking care of yourself and taking time off and all of those things. And then I got sick. I got legitimately sick. I think it was a flu or something and was instantly dinged because I stayed home. And even though I had made all the, all the arrangements to take care of what needed to be taken care of, I got in trouble for taking sick time. And I remember being so just 
shocked and disappointed and hurt that the words that they said didn't match their actions. Yeah, it's definitely a sign to get out if you can. I'm sorry that happened to you. I mean, nobody's like, okay, I'm going to get the flu this weekend because this is the what's best, you know, best works for my schedule, right? And my employers. Life happens. And I, you know, that's what really gets me. I mean, I understand rules, but there's a difference between, there's a difference between having a hangover on a Monday morning and having the flu, you know, one you can prevent. Just yes. don't be a moron and party on a Sunday night. <laughs> and the other one is, you know, nobody says I want to have the flu. I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. It's, it's, it's horrible. Right. It's not, and I know that that experience isn't unique. And right. especially when we're talking about mental health, um, people are even afraid to say that they're taking mental health days in some places. I think that um, you're right. And it shouldn't be that way. It's like there are enough bad apples that like one bad apple will upset the whole basket, right? And so how do you catch from an HR standpoint, I can see like, how do you catch the one that's going to abuse those days? And quite frankly, I think though, if you have a correct work culture and a system to catch and strain those out, they'll self-select out. But the ones that actually need it, because you know what? Life is hard. We're we're living in, um, you know, a, like typically there's a single family household where now two people are having to do the job of what a village used to do. Yes. That's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So we're expected to be perfect at work, perfect at home. Never be tired, never complain. Yes. Right? Never have to take time off if your kid is sick, because your kid will never get sick. Right. I mean, darn it. Didn't they read the manual when they went to preschool or kindergarten? Thou shalt not get sick. It's rule number one. Well, what are some of the actions or tools that an organization, and you know, here I'm thinking about medical in particular, but in general too, can take to build a supportive culture at work. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a difficult question to answer because typically the culture at work starts from the top down. Mm-hmm. I honestly would say start having those conversations with the CEO. Mm-hmm. Everybody can lead from where they're at. Yeah, housekeeping from can lead from where they're at. Mm-hmm. If we don't have clean facilities, we can't operate. And that's anywhere. Right. That's anywhere. Like they're the front, uh, the receptionists at the school, you know, schools, mm-hmm. any offices, any businesses, man, you, you all know you're the first point of contact. You're the face. You actually know a lot more than what you think you do. Yeah. Now the difference is, are they going to listen? I don't know, but that it, you can try there. Also, you can create your own microculture around the people that you, with whom you work and support one another, try to build that tribe mentality because there's power in numbers. Mm -hmm. I like that idea. Just build what you need within your group. Yeah, this is not a a save all, but it's definitely worth a shot. Yeah, absolutely. So what is an important lesson about resilience that you have learned because of your work or your experience with burnout? Don't make life all about work. Mm -hmm. Don't make life all about work. When Dr. Bicker took her own life, when she died from suicide, no, it was not expected. It was more like, holy heck, where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. I think everybody was completely blindsided. I think that resilience is something that needs to be built and rebuilt and re- restructured. And when we fall, it's okay to fall and it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. The importance is recognizing that and getting help appropriately and in a timely manner. 
Mm-hmm. Of course, we've discussed the, the barriers to that briefly. Mm-hmm. But I would say don't don't make your life all about work or mm-hmm. accolades. Because on, on on your deathbed, I doubt that you will say, I wish I would have worked more. Yeah. You're right. I don't think that's something that people even think about when they get to that point. You know, what's giving you hope right now in the sense that, you know, maybe we are moving in the right direction in terms of culture and support for mental health? The fact that we're having this conversation mm-hmm. and it's across platforms, it's across professions. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big deal. The fact that we're putting more focus on mental health because we try to separate it out. I know. It's it's crazy. And it's just the other side of the coin. Exactly. Do you think the pandemic has um, had a positive impact in how much we're paying attention to mental health? I think I think it has opened up the fact that we're a lonely society. Mm-hmm. The fact that we are lacking true connectivity. Mm-hmm. The fact that we are lacking the accessibility to mental health when we need it. Mm-hmm. The fact that I think many of us have not been taught coping mechanisms. I mean, true, legit, healthy coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a way to numb out. And we've always been told, you know, let's look at the culture. Uh, kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. Yes. Don't speak unless spoken to. And then we get to, you know, the, you know, after after that, it's more of, well, it's not, I'm not asking your opinion. And now everybody is a winner and we don't want to let anybody fail. Well, you know, we have to kind of find the middle ground because it is through failure that we learn Mm -hmm. and it is through failure that we get up. I mean, that's where we learn resilience as a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, um, not everybody's going to get a trophy at work. Not everybody's going to get a promotion. So let's institute those things early on. That doesn't mean we have to bring back corporal punishment. Right. But, you know, let's let's model some of the some real life lessons. Yeah. What do you think? is one of the most important actions an organization can take to help prevent burnout in its employees. I think going back to having that supportive culture of being open to have these discussions, Mm -hmm. right? Understanding that each worker's needs will be different. So like mine, I have small kids. Mine is going to be different than a physician that maybe has no kids or they're already grown and out of that nest. Mm -hmm. My needs might be different than the single mom, you know, working the front desk. Mm-hmm. So it's looking at some things to when 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 it's possible, honor those differences, mm-hmm. needs, and then also creating a supportive culture where it's not just yeah we care about you, <laughs> put your money where your mouth is and show up and actually do it with action. Right, right. If you say. You can take sick days, then actually let people take t- sick days without, without writing them up. Them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Life is a lot, very, very gray. Yeah. Yeah. I remember talking to somebody earlier about how we can't bring 100% of ourselves to work. It's just not possible, even on the best of days. And, but we seem to have a lot of workplaces who expect us to bring 100% of ourselves to work. And I don't know how we, how we change that. So what would you tell your 18-year-old self about resiliency? It's going to look different as you age. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Because the amount of resilience I needed at 18 is definitely different than what I need at 41. 
because the responsibilities have changed. Mm -hmm. The amount for which I'm responsible has changed, and that's my choice. Mm -hmm. That's totally my choice. Having said that, I need to not get so flared up about everything. I can choose <laughs> my battles, right? So I need to reserve my energy. Mm -hmm. So the resilience that I'm going to need now is to, a lot of it is understanding my triggers, mm -hmm. understanding what I, yeah, I'm not going to pick a fight with, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take the bait that my five-year-old throwing out at me because he didn't want to wear a jacket today. Okay. Okay, you'll you'll learn, or maybe you have a different you know different tolerance than I do, but it's there if you want it. Let mm -hmm. it go. I like the concept. Let it go. I definitely have learned to do more of that. With every year after every passing birthday, I've learned to let more things go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's um, it's funny because my grandfather used to say, you know, if you don't reach some type of wisdom by the time you're forty, you're doing life wrong. And now <laughs> I and when I was when I was in my teens, you know, forty seemed really old, right? Yes. Now that I'm 41, it's like, huh, it's not that old. I mean, what's the difference between 40 and 20? I mean, I know there's a 20-year difference, but I mean, honestly, I feel about the same. Mm -hmm. Yep. I remember being a teenager and thinking 30 was just ancient. And, yeah. Um, you know, and then I got 30 and I thought, well, this isn't so bad. Sapna, thank you so much for sharing. How can our listeners reach you? Sure. Uh, go to my website, theworthyphysician.com. And it has links to my free resources, Battle of the Boxes, 21-Day Self-Reflection Journal. Excellent. The podcast and the blogs. So even if you're not a physician, I think there's any there's a lot of relatable material just because we're all adults and uh, life is challenging, especially nowadays. It absolutely is. And thank you for doing your podcast and providing those resources for folks. We really appreciate that. And thank you for being my guest today. This thank you. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. So if you'd like to learn more about me, Manya Chilinski, I work with organizations to help understand how to create environments where people can thrive after difficult life experiences. And I do this through talks and consulting. I'm a survivor of mass violence, and I use my experience to help leaders learn about resiliency, compassion, and trauma-sensitive leadership to build strategies to enable teams to thrive and be engaged amidst difficulty and turmoil. If this is something you want to learn more about, visit my website, www.maniachilinski.com, or email me at manya at maniachilinski, or stop by my social media on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. So if you'd like to learn more about me, Manya Chilinski, I work with organizations to help understand how to create environments where people can thrive after difficult life experiences. And I do this through talks and consulting. I'm a survivor of mass violence, and I use my experience to help leaders learn about resiliency, compassion, and trauma-sensitive leadership, to build strategies to enable teams to thrive and be engaged amidst difficulty and turmoil. If this is something you want to learn more about, visit my website, www.maniachilinski.com, or email me at manya at maniachilinski, or stop by my social media on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks so much. Talk soon.